From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Tuesday, the 25th of October, 2022. Good afternoon. Today, we're going to be talking about the speculation surrounding the Ukrainian dirty bomb. We'll also be discussing three of today's other important stories and discussing Sunak's first day in office. But first, the speculation about a dirty bomb in Ukraine. On Tuesday, the UN's nuclear watchdog IAEA said its interceptors would be revisiting two sites in Ukraine at the centre of Russian claims that Kyiv is preparing a so-called dirty bomb. This comes after the Russian representative to the UN Security Council sent a letter warning that the Russian Ministry of Defence had received information that Kyiv was planning to use a dirty bomb in Ukraine and that the provocation might be carried out with the support of Western countries. For the last couple of days or so, Russian authorities have been making outlandish claims that Ukrainian forces are planning to use a so-called dirty bomb, which is essentially a conventional high-explosive device laced with radioactive material. Unlike actual nuclear weapons, dirty bombs don't require refined radioactive material, which is why they're significantly cheaper and easier to produce. Anyway, these claims first appeared on Sunday, when Russian Defence Minister Sergei Shogu held calls with some of his NATO counterparts to discuss what he described as the rapidly deteriorating situation in Ukraine. Shogu's claims were amplified by state media over the weekend, with RAA Novosti claiming on Telegram that the purpose of the provocation is to accuse Russia of using weapons of mass destruction in the Ukrainian theatre of operations and thereby launch a powerful anti-Russian campaign in the world aimed at undermining confidence in Moscow. Unsurprisingly, the Ukrainians immediately denied this. The foreign minister said Russian lies about a dirty bomb are as absurd as they are dangerous. And Zelensky said that Shogu was preparing the ground for a false flag attack by Russia. It's worth saying here that the Russians have provided no evidence to support their claims. And they made similar allegations back in March, which amounted to nothing. Russian state media claimed that Ukraine was developing its dirty bomb at two sites. The Eastern Mineral Enrichment Plant and the Institute for Nuclear Research in Kyiv. But it's worth saying that both sites have been visited by the IAEA in the last month and no undeclared nuclear activities or material were discovered. Nonetheless, even if Russia's claims are baseless, which looks likely, it still represents a worrying rhetorical escalation. Russia and Ukraine have spent the last couple of weeks accusing each other of planning some sort of escalation, whether that be a dirty bomb or blowing up the Novokokovka Dam. This rhetorical escalation might make the chance of an uncontrolled escalation more likely, because if the rhetoric means both sides are expecting some sort of escalation by the other, both sides are then more likely to escalate in anticipation. Okay, so that's the biggest story of the day, but there's a lot more going on around the world. So here's a rundown of three other stories. Later in the year, Qatar will be hosting the World Cup. This has caused huge controversy due to the country's poor record for human rights. For example, homosexuality is illegal, and it has been made clear that the country is still enforcing their incredibly strict rules. 
The regime has been arresting members of the LGBTQ community this year, despite their attempts to demonstrate to the wider world that they will be more tolerant to those visiting for the World Cup. Those that are arrested are often made to attend conversion therapy and have often been subjected to violence. Human Rights Watch has found six cases of severe and repeated beatings inflicted upon those arrested. In one specific case, a transgender woman was arrested on the charge of imitating women. She claims she was beaten by police in a car before being detained for three weeks without charge. A Qatari official said about these claims that they were not brought to our attention until they were first reported in the media. If Human Rights Watch had contacted us, we would have been able to disprove the allegations. There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. French President Emmanuel Macron's government has survived two no-confidence votes tabled by opposition lawmakers in protest of his centrist government's use of a special constitutional power to push next year's budget through the National Assembly without a vote. The pan-left-wing Noops Alliance and the far-right National Rally both tabled separate no-confidence motions in protest of the government's use of the Article 49.3 to force through the budget. Had either been successful, then Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne and her cabinet would have collapsed and fresh legislative elections would be held. The far-right national rally, in a somewhat surprising move, decided to support the no-confidence motion filed by the Noops Alliance. In the end, there were 239 votes in favour, well short of the 289 required to pass. The right-wing opposition party, the Republicans, chose not to support the motions. National Rally leader Marine Le Pen said the government's use of Article 49.3 showed its inability to play the democratic game. A Green lawmaker representing the Noops Alliance criticised the budget bill as not going far enough to tackle climate change. This morning, Rishi Sunak officially became the UK's 57th Prime Minister after being invited to form a government by King Charles. His rise to the top job represents a historic moment, not just because he is the UK's third Prime Minister in seven weeks. He's the UK's first ever British Asian Prime Minister and its first ever Hindu Prime Minister. He's also the youngest incoming Prime Minister of modern times, and perhaps the richest. In his first speech as Prime Minister, he recognised the mistakes made by his predecessor Liz Truss and said the country faces a profound economic crisis. Sunak said he'd place economic stability and confidence at the heart of his government, but this will mean difficult decisions to come. In an attempt to draw a line under the Boris Johnson era, he said this government will have integrity, professionalism and accountability at every level. He also aimed to deflect the calls for a general election by opposition parties by saying that the party's election win in 2019 delivered a mandate not just for one individual, aka Boris Johnson, but for the Conservatives and their manifesto. We'll have to wait and see who he appoints to his cabinet and how they tackle the multiple crises facing the country. That's all we have time for on YouTube, but if you want to see our discussion of Sunak's appointment to number 10, then watch the extended ad-free edition of The Daily Briefing over on Nebula. 
Nebula subscribers not only get everything you've already watched ad-free, but also an extended edition of the show every single day, available to watch on Nebula or stream on your podcast app of choice. So if you want to support the channel and get a more extensive daily briefing every day, you'll want to sign up. And there's good news. Our friends at CuriosityStream, the streaming service which offers some of the best documentaries, is offering a deal whereby you can get both platforms, CuriosityStream and Nebula, for less than $15 a year. That's all the best documentaries you could want on CuriosityStream and then more TLDR on Nebula, including the extended briefing, other full exclusive TLDR videos, and it's always ad-free. Click the link below to get both services for less than $15 a year and support the channel.